You're listening to Hell Yoshi Did It Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi and Lilith Arvani. Okay, this is um, Yoshi reporting from um, Seattle, Washington, and I'm doing the third recording with my uh, one of my closest friends, and uh, I'm here with Berlon Brown. He is a comedian and also a social worker living in Seattle, and um, somebody that I look up to, and he's always been like uh, uh, my older brother, and uh, I take his opinions about anything from politics to social work to race issues in America, so I'm very happy to have him. I have to get out of here soon, so we have a very limited amount of time, but um, Roland, thanks for doing the show. Um, something happened today, so I, I didn't even have a chance to talk to you today, so um, I guess we were supposed to meet up earlier in the day, and then uh, something happened. What happened? Well, one of my uh, clients who I've been working with since 98 uh, ended up in the hospital, mm -hmm. and uh, this guy has been a heroin user since he was 12 his brothers got him into heroin and uh, he's 54 yeah. now and uh, he uh, ended up in the hospital uh, because of liver failure it, it just happened today yeah it just happened today but it was it's been a long time coming he's been on dialysis and he he half the time he doesn't show up for dialysis because his priority in life is um, Getting heroin his, getting know, his facts getting yeah. his fix yeah and so he um, uh, you know that would always take precedent over when he was supposed to go to to uh, dialysis and most I would say maybe 50% of the time he didn't show up mm -hmm. and uh, so anyway he today he had a massive stroke and he died oh I'm so I didn't know I thought he oh uh, no he died uh because when you text me, you, you were saying you were visiting someone who was dying yeah. at the hospital. When I was, yeah, he was dying when I visited him at the hospital, but then he had a massive stroke and he died uh, while wow. I was at the hospital. Well, sorry, sorry for your loss. I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't even sure if you were able to meet up today because um, when you texted me earlier, I thought um, we were going to be at your work and yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's what we, yeah, that's what we were supposed to do. Yeah, so so yeah. I mean, I guess this is a like, question I always ask people in your position, whether it's paramedics, police officers, doctors, social workers, police, uh, on and on. And, and I'm sure this is not your first time you losing someone. Uh, how, how, do you, uh, how do you able to continue keep doing your work, not getting discouraged? Um, well, I don't get discouraged because somebody dies, I get more discouraged in the system mm -hmm. because, um, you know, when people die like this, I think it has more to do with, um, you know, it's more systemic than it is uh, individuals. I mean, I know a lot of people would blame it on the individual, but I just think it's more complex than mm -hmm. that. And so, uh, you know, this guy was African-American and 
So he suffered all the indignities that most African Americans have suffered yeah. you know, over the years, and you know, including you know extreme poverty and. Um, well, he's been an addict, if I do the math right, like 40 years, right? Yeah, yeah, he's been an addict 40 years. And, yeah. You know, he, he grew up in, you know, a ghetto in uh, Texas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was, his, that was his life. Did he tell you how he got hooked up? I mean, like, like I mean, when you're 12, how... I, I his brothers, he's, he had, uh, he came from a family of, um, they were all boys. Mm -hmm. And his and he was the youngest, and his older brothers got him hooked on. A and let's be frank, older brother, no matter what race, it's always impressionable on the young brothers. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, are are the older brothers still alive? Do you know? He has no idea. He talks about his family like they're just down the street, and that he's just saw him yesterday. But the reality is, is that he hasn't seen anyone in his family over in over 30 years. Oh man. And when he talks about it, there's some anger related to it that yeah. went down over some some drugs and money yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the reality is he hasn't seen anybody in his family for 30 years. And you know, he'll be buried in an indigent grave, you mm -hmm. know, uh, that they do every year and put homeless people in this big plot. And, yeah. You know, that kind of thing, because he has no family. And, and, and the, 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 it's strange because that asshole in Boston, the terrorist, he's going to get a better treatment getting better burial than this guy. And I don't know him. You know, you're, you're just talking about him right now. But um, it's terrible. He, really, if your brother's introduced that shit and when you're 12, you pretty much didn't have any sort of chance. Yeah, really. yeah, he really didn't have a chance. One thing I gotta say, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but um, I just think it really always make me angry. The drugs are illegal, and I think it's a health issue. And I always say this is a health issue. It should be a legal or moral issue. And it just makes me angry that this is how we deal with this problem in, this, in, in America. And I think Europeans tend to be more enlightened. I think they do treat it as health problem. They try not to uh, stigmatize that individual any more than people with cancer, you know? So. Yeah, there's this thing called harm reduction, and it basically says that, um, you know, you want to deal with drugs in a way that causes less harm to society. Yes. You know, and like in Europe and Canada, too, uh, there are places where you can go and get heroin. Yeah. And it's, you know, you get, you get clean fixings, you know, uh, that you take your heroin with, and... Um, uh, so that kind of thing um, makes sure that it doesn't affect all of society. Yeah. It just, uh, you know, with, with clean fixings and clean places to shoot up, you're not on the streets, you're not leaving your needles around for people to accidentally step on them. Right. All of that uh, kind of thing. It's just a much more sane approach. It says, yes, we have addicts and we will always have uh, addicts, but... Uh, this way, we can make sure that the addicts don't affect other people. Right. I, I remember years ago, Tacoma, Washington, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's about an hour south of Seattle, Washington, and I remember some guy was trying to offer clean needles mm -hmm. because 
he wanted to minimize the spread of disease and mm -hmm. HIV and AIDS virus and so on and so forth. But uh, the guy got in trouble. I don't remember what happened, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it's just, um, I don't know if this is ever going to change. It started from the Nixon administration. Mm -hmm. They figured, how do you go after people who don't vote for him, basically hippies and minorities in inner cities? Well, there's one thing, one common theme among hippies and minorities in inner cities is drugs. So that's why they went against, uh, in guise of drug war, they're basically going after the enemies that wouldn't support them. And that shit just started from, uh, you know, when Nixon was running for office. And, mm -hmm. and um, I think a lot of them do regret years later because it's just the cost, not just the money, but human cost of sending so many minorities, and especially African Americans, to prison, you know. And it makes no sense. This is just a health issue. Whereas when you have these assholes in uh, Wall Street stealing billions and billions of dollars and destroying the economy, they get pretty very good lawyers and nothing really happened to yeah. them, you know? Well, the latest statistic I read said that at this point in time, there are more African Americans in jail than there ever was in slavery. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, we basically have enslaved more African-Americans and people in jail um, are doing, you know, menial labor yeah. for very little income. And, um, you know, that's what, uh, that's what we have again. We have, we have slavery all over again. Yeah. Um, well, local kids. Um, I, I think even California, they're trying to change the, the, the three strike laws. And I think, for those of you who don't live in the States, basically you commit, I guess, three felonies, is mm -hmm. that the deal? Mm -hmm. You commit three felonies, then um, you go to prison for life. Yeah. And um, there's quite often, <laughs> these kids, quite often, um, they're not necessarily all violent crimes. You know, sometimes some guys will go in for petty theft. And uh, mm -hmm. I think, I hope they change that because it, it's a goddamn shame, a generation of men are just wasting their lives and potential for something minor, you know. And um, it's a big business, as you know. The prison is a very big business, yeah. and uh, it's a big money-making operation. Believe me, there are people who deserve to go to prison. There's not a question about that. But with drugs, I just just wonder. I, I think this is need to be reevaluated. There should be a national talk about drug issue. And um, anyone who watched The Wire. Uh, should be aware of this. This is it's just, it's not working. This is not a winnable war. Uh, you're going to war against your own citizens, you know. Yeah, so. and it's like the prison industrial complex is just like slavery all over again. Most of the time, yeah. they're in these small towns in uh, Texas and other places like that throughout the, mm -hmm. the South. And, um, you know, the, the guards, the overseers, are white guys without a with just a high school education, it's probably one of the best jobs you can get. Oh, for with, sure. Instead of a, California, they yeah. were saying, I read a Wall Street Journal article, they were saying that a guy who graduated from high school and get one of those jobs and work for 20, 25 years, pension and overtime and save all your vacation days. I mean, literally, it's, it's like someone who graduated from Harvard with a med um, medical degree, you know. So mm -hmm. it really is a big money-making. And I don't want to kind of go as old prison uh, guards, but it's it's... It really is a money-making operation yeah. for a lot of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't see. 
I just it's just a damn shame like, and I think when these guys get out of uh, prison they waste their youth they're not educated you know what I mean it's just like it's a vicious circle over and yeah. over and I wish some guy would be enough courage to go up and say we need to change this you know even you as um, conservative like William F. Buckley Jr., uh, uh, former Secretary of State Schultz, who worked for Ronald Reagan, and many of those people believe they should have been legalized. Uh, we should legalize drugs because it's just not working and it's not a sensible policy. It turns a lot of people into second-class citizens because once you got a felony on you, you, you can't get uh, any government monies like SSI, you can't get into low-income housing, um, you know, and so, and a lot of people won't hire you, so right away you can't compete mm -hmm. uh, with the rest of society, you, you know, and if you're a person of color, that means you certainly can't complete, compete with, uh, with white people, so right away you start at a disadvantage yeah and um and i think if i remember right it's strange you could murder someone and you could when you get out you could still apply for financial aid for school but it's guaranteed if you have anything to do with drugs you're done you'll never qualify for getting a loan from school either and it's the same story like i have a friend kimberly motley in afghanistan she she is a human rights attorney a guy who murdered a person got seven year prison sentence in afghanistan uh, his other client um, for drugs got 16 years. So I, I don't. I just. I just don't understand why, why is it. Why is that attitude about taking someone's life get less years than drugs? It makes no sense to me. It should be other way around, if anything. Well, I think it's a racist system, and the whole point is to keep, uh, you know, to keep black people from competing. With uh, with white people to keep brown people, not just black people, but mm -hmm. brown people from competing with uh, with white people, and uh, you know you you uh, white people use more drugs really than brown people, but brown people pay the biggest price in terms of uh, jail time. And so um, I think I think pro pro uh, one of the major reasons is I think. Um, and this is just generalizing, but generally speaking, white person probably have a better attorney, so, so they have a very legal um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, defense, whereas black person probably not. And this is interesting. I, I remember studying econ and Milton Freeman, the economist who was a big time libertarian guy. Uh, he passed away and uh, he was for legalizing drugs. But he said that crack was created simply because people who were using cocaine uh, change the makeup of another drug so because at the time there was a uh, very strong law against crack, uh, cocaine so they figure change make a new drug that doesn't fall under that same law so they won't get in the uh, same level of trouble but the problem is i'm not an expert but i'm assuming crack is more addicting and more harmful than cocaine yeah it's more yeah it's it it gets you addicted quick yeah and uh, so there's unintended consequence because they were trying to get rid of cocaine well people always find loophole and and, and you know and they're making this thing was more more harming harmful than cocaine yeah so. and everybody knows about the racial disparities between crack cocaine and powder cocaine mm -hmm. you know in terms of 
you know, the racial differences between whites use powdered cocaine for yeah. the most part, black use of crack cocaine. Because it's cheaper, right? Crack is. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I mean, if you're a white person using cocaine, that's not good either. You know, no. you, you, you have your problem. We, we're yeah. not making any of this lightly, but um, it's just, um, it's just frustrating to see people people dealing with this problem and we're yeah. not giving them adequate help and uh, yeah so how long you been uh, what, what is the exact description your job social worker or I'm considered a case manager mm -hmm. and uh, my job is to find people who are kind of at the bottom yeah. people with with uh, physical ailments, yeah. people who are addicted, everyone I work with has to be addicted to drugs and or alcohol, and uh, they have to be uh, physically, they have, there's got to be compromised physically mm -hmm. and uh, mentally. I see. So, you know, I'm working with uh, basically the most addicted, the sickest, and the uh, the not so smartest yeah. uh, people in society. The most vulnerable. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. They have, um, that, that creates vulnerability. You're right. When I was, I go to Germany a lot. In Frankfurt, Germany, I, I think if I remember, they call it pump room. There's this specific room. Uh, I think throughout the city, or maybe in the uh, red light district, but it's a room. It's a clean room that people could go in and get clean needles. Uh, to get a uh, place to get yourself cleaned up yeah, and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Now, believe me, Germans are very conservative people. They're they're definitely not pro drugs at all. But mm -hmm. they thought they believe that it's better to deal with this in the health yeah. issue yeah. and trying to minimize uh, the problem. You know. So uh, when I saw that, uh, I did talk to those people, and I just feel like. You know, they're just unfortunately got addicted to this thing, and uh, they don't need additional problem by people judging them and not helping them. You know, so yeah. I think most of the European countries are dealing with it that way. Yeah. Um, Our society's uh, thing has been to punish, punish, punish. Yeah, and uh, that simply doesn't work. It doesn't work, and uh, it leaves the rest of society vulnerable to. You know what you know what happens to people when they use drugs it, it leaves the rest of society vulnerable yeah. to disease and you know all of that kind of thing that goes along with it crime and everything but not all your clients are drug addict right there's other issues homeless maybe um, yeah they're homeless but they have to be for me to work with them mm -hmm. they have to be addicts of some kind they I say alcoholic or or drug addicted mm -hmm. for me that's our criteria I see uh, is they have to be vulnerable in that way I'm not all homeless people are addicts there are right. some homeless people who are not addicts mm -hmm. there are some homeless people although uh, less so who are not drunks yeah but most homeless people uh, drink and if you were out on the streets yeah the way they were out on the streets, uh, most of us would would turn to drink. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, um, it, it's it's rare to find a homeless person who's not uh, addicted to alcohol, drugs, or doesn't have 
our, our mental condition? Alcohol, because, um, well, I guess when, I can't even imagine being in that situation, but if I was, I suppose I'll be too depressed and I need to take something to make myself feel better again? Yeah, I mean, these guys are at the bottom of the heap. Yeah. You know, people are giving them the stink eye all day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they turn away from them, they say bad things to them, they yeah. ignore them. You know, so you go through that day after day after day. Yeah. And then, you know, you got to hustle for uh, any kind of money. And then at night, you got to try to find a safe place to stay. Right. And then, uh, you know, your possibility of getting beat up or robbed. Or murdered. Or murdered. Yeah. Or, you know, arrested. Just... You know, when you don't have a place to stay, you know, you're just you're just out there, you know. And How long have you been doing this job? Well, uh, I've been working with homeless people since uh, 1984. So, I don't know, I can't figure that out, but whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, what is that, 30 years? Yeah, just about. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the country is more helpful or meaner? Or what, what, what's the impression since the day one when you started working in business? I think they were more helpful at the beginning because they thought we can fix this. And uh, I think now there's a certain amount of people who just feel like these people are always going to be with us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there's a certain amount of society who who likes to blame the victim and mm -hmm. just assume, a lot of that is ignorance, who just assume that these people could do better yeah. if they would, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, you know, that that kind of thing. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it has gotten, I'd say I think it has gotten worse in terms of how pe what people feel about homeless people. I, I, you know, the, when you had the, when we had the financial crisis in 2008, I, I was shocked how many homeless kids, and I think 60 Minutes had a piece about it in Florida, like, you know, there are so many kids, and, okay, you want to blame the adult, fine, but like, I, I don't see how they could be so mean about cutting social program for kids and things like that because they <laughs> I mean honest to God I mean they, what, what choice do they have if the parents lost mm -hmm. the job they're they're going with them you know to me if you gave every homeless person $600 a month or $700 a month yeah it would be worth it uh, to keep them off the streets yeah you know that's worth it to me to spend that kind of money yeah. spend taxpayer money to get people like that into some kind of housing and to keep them off the streets. Yeah. Um, but this whole thing where they have to prove themselves worthy or or so pitiful that they can get this little. But what does that mean? Like you have to uh, prove yourself worthy, like. Well, you know. Um, like you have you to do all, all the paperwork. And yeah, you got to do all the paperwork. That's what I do. I mean, I take people and I walk them through mm -hmm. uh, the paperwork and. And nobody, believe me, nobody homeless can do all of that paperwork by themselves. And yeah. I would guess that maybe most Americans couldn't do the paperwork by themselves that you have to do to get on 
social supplemental security income. Yeah. You know, to get that seven hundred dollars a month or GAU or GAX and you know the different the different monies that are out there. I see. Uh, even money from the VA. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people have to walk you through that stuff. You yeah. can't just you can't just get it. You know, so they have to jump. For those off. of you uh, listening overseas, VA is for veterans, right? For people who serve in oh, military. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you know, you have to. Uh, you can't just get that money. You have to jump through those hoops to get that money. And most people can't do it by themselves. Let alone homeless people who are struggling just to stay alive yeah. uh, outside without a place to, you know, to lay their head, really. Are you, uh, I mean, are you, are you hopeful of the, you know, today is a very emotional day. I can't imagine going through that. Um, I don't want to say you're, you're getting used to it, but. Um, well, no, I'm not. I'm not hopeful. I don't think society, this society, will ever get to a point mm -hmm. where there's no homelessness. Yeah. You know. And hunger issue. And hunger which is, issue. Which is shocking, yeah. but we do have that. Yeah. Because we're all obsessed with this whole merit thing. Like, mm -hmm. you work hard and you get paid and, and you know, you have to, to be this entrepreneur. Or yeah. You have to be, and I, you know... Uh, most of us are not any of those things. Most yeah. of us are happy just to kind of slide our way through a job and come home. Yeah. You know, and um, to put up barriers that make it impossible for someone to do that, uh, I think, is, uh, I, I would say, criminal. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the people um, politicians and uh, well you know create these barriers yeah. are criminals and, and frankly because they know the homeless people don't vote mm -hmm. they don't they, care they don't care yeah. they don't really have incentive to do anything about it yeah and, um, yeah and when homeless people do vote they vote democratic yeah so yeah yeah, it's just, um, I gotta say, I think there was a meme period in my life because when you study econ, you don't even think about, you're always thinking about how do you allocate, allocate your resource to maximize profit, things like that, and you, you, you stop not seeing people, you know? And um, so there was a long period of time, I just thought, I did think that negative ways, you know, just make money and then mm -hmm. fuck everyone, you know? but. Um, all right, 2008 was a really watershed year for me. Like, these motherfuckers are not capitalists, they're criminals. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if they're capitalists, if they fucked up, they should face the consequence mm -hmm. of losing all their money. Mm -hmm. And here they are telling people, like, if you make a mistake, you lose your money, you lose your business. But because there's such a big enterprise and, and banks, th these motherfuckers are going asking for handouts when they really screwed up. So. When they take a huge risk and and, and and make a huge profit, they keep the money. They When they make a huge risk and fuck up and lose everything, they want everyone else to pay and bail them out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and, we're, and believe me, the money that homeless people are asking for is just minuscule compared to what those guys are stealing or getting from the government, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And um, 
the mean spiritedness. It's 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 been around. It's it's like I remember when Reagan started cutting funding for uh, mental health programs. You know, mm. and I remember he famously oh he famously said like you know I think if I remember right those homeless people want to be out on the street because they want to be and mm -hmm. they're freezing in D.C. and mm -hmm. I think you look in D.C. Mm -hmm. oh let me tell you this is fucking freezing cold <laughs> in winter time <laughs> you know only crazy person want to be outside in that temperature you know yeah. and yeah. Uh, those people were let out from the psychiatric ward because yeah. we don't want to pay the money and I just think you know what this is such a rich country and believe me I am no Marxist it just it, the cost the amount of money they would need to take care of them is so minuscule compared to the damage that they would do. Yeah. And yeah. it's just so backward when it comes to yeah. that thing. And, you know, most people want to live on more than 700 a month. Right. So even if you gave anybody who was willing to live on 700 a month, 700 a month, um, it would, uh, there would still be more people who want to go out and make an, an honest living. Yeah. You know. And uh, it, to me, it's a failure of our country that these people are out there uh, on the streets pushing grocery carts and yeah. taking bunches of bags around and sleeping in doorways yeah. and all of that sort of thing. Uh, it's a failure of us as a country that we can't look after these people and take care of these yeah. people and provide for these people because a lot of these people have worked you know a lot of these people were your factory workers yeah. and your janitors and your you know different things that we don't we don't need anymore because you know all the the jobs have gone overseas or, yeah you know so um you know it's not like these people were were born lazy i mean there's a good number of these people who were working yeah. and uh, would be willing to work again uh, if, if there were jobs to be had. Um, I, I think, um, you, you, you don't mind talking about your brother? No. Mm -mm. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Which brother? Yeah. Well, um, well, well so I, I guess one of your brother was murdered. Yeah. So, but what's, okay, first of all, how, um, how, I don't even know how to approach this. When was the last time you saw him? Well, it was, he was murdered in 2000. Okay. And, um, you know, he was murdered. He, uh, he was uh, a petty criminal and uh, he sold drugs and who God knows what else he did. And this is in Kansas City. This is in Kansas City. Okay. And uh, he was, uh, you know, he was murdered in his in his home. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Did they ever find the guy? No. Oh, no. Whoever they, it was. They never found the guy. They, you know, they don't find people. Yeah. <laughs> in the ghetto, they don't find. It's not like CSI anything like yeah. that. You know, there's not enough people around who care. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I don't want to make a lie because I, I now already, I already forgot where it was that shooting in uh, Connecticut, where mm -hmm. it was. You know, I think we we talked about this before. Like, it's terrible. This guy went in and started shooting those kids, mm -hmm. and um, there's this movement to um, 
gun controls and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's a really complicated issue, and I don't want to pinpoint people with guns because I think vast majority of gun owners are lawful and um, they're responsible for that. Um, the psychopath shot all those kids in Connecticut. I, um, it's sorry, I'm, it's failing me. I don't, can't even remember the town all of a sudden. But um, I have to say, every day, black kids are getting shot in Philadelphia, Detroit, and DC, uh, Chicago, Minnesota, yeah, yeah, all over. Yeah, Chicago's yeah. been crazy the last a couple of years, and um, okay. it, it just seemed like like what you were saying about your brother. Like people are used to seeing black kids getting kids getting killed all the time. Like it becomes almost like. It's normal. It's, it's not normal, but it's norm. Yeah. It's the new norm, I think. Well, black people in this society are disposable. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, white people grow up feeling superior. I mean, uh, most white people, are, you know, think they're better than black people, and whatever happens to black people, um, they. Um, assume that it's because of some deficiency on our part yeah. in terms of uh, murders and killings and shootings and all yeah. that to sort of thing. Uh, so they take no responsibility, no ownership of uh, impoverished conditions that, you know, most black people live in. Do you, do you think some of it because they they really don't know black people? I mean, I, I don't want to assume like it's because it's a hatred or anything. I'm sure there's part of that. But I, I, it always surprises me living in the States. Some people just never talk to a certain race, you know? No, you can live for a long time in America and never, you know, never see a, a, a person of a different race. I mm -hmm. mean, I can't count how many, you know, I'm the only black friend of hundreds of white people. Yeah. You know, and yet every black person I know knows, you know, a number of of white people yeah you know and um so you know that's just kind of a numbers game yeah but it's it's also um this society is allowed to sort of turn the blind eye to when black people get shot on the street because yeah. you know they just assume that there's something deficient in black people's character where that's okay you know and they don't they don't own up to the, the poverty that uh, mm. is inflicted on black people. And people forget like 20s and 30s and 40s, like if we, when you go like um, Harlem with the Harlem Renaissance and things like that, mm. it, I mean, and I'm not a sociologist, something happened in 60s and 70s and on and with all that crack epidemics in the 80s and stuff like that, but definitely the, um, it's a fuck, uh, it's such a complicated thing, I have, I have no idea, you know, the, the things that you're saying, those are the tr uh, truth, and, and, and they're, they're part of uh, bigger problems, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of other things that maybe we're blind to, you know. Well, it's kind of like black reconstruction, you know, like after slavery, yeah. blacks were, were being progressive in the, in the South, and uh, running for office and becoming entrepreneurs and all of that kind of stuff. And then the KKK came along and got rid of that. Yeah. You know, and it's the same with uh, after the 60s, you know, blacks were being progressive and moving forward. And then Reagan came along and he and his administration, little by little, whittled away, you know, a lot of the civil rights. Um, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the civil rights uh, things that you know people got going in there, yeah. 
and that work. And uh, same way now, you know, we get a first African-American president, he's progressive, and what does the Congress do? They clamp down and they, uh, you know, they won't let anything pass. They say no to everything. So, um, you know, racially speaking, uh, you know, white people turn up the heat uh, when people of color become progressive because they, they understand that uh, a lot of what they have is depending on keeping black people uh, unable to compete uh, on but, an equal basis. But you don't, you don't feel but, um, you don't feel like a poor white person. Like, it, it makes no sense when I see poor white people and poor black people like fighting each other for this limited resource, you know? It's, mm -hmm. it's just like, Republicans, I have to say, they're very good at bamboozling people. Like, oh, yeah. they, they talk about cultural war, but oh, yeah. they, they, they trick the poor white people that country's wrong because welfare, this and that. But the, mm -hmm. all those things that we spend money on, it's so minuscule compared to subsidies and things like that for the yeah. rich program, you yeah. know? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I wish we could focus more on, like, class issue because I think poor white person in the Appalachian Mountains probably could relate to black person because they're getting fucked over too, you know. Uh, well, the South has been screwing over their white people for years as yeah. well. You know, it's not just black people they're screwing over. I mean, poor white people. For poor sure. white people yeah. in the South are being screwed over by their politicians yeah. as well. And so, and they're getting, you know, they're pitting the poor whites against the poor blacks. And, uh, you know, so the whites are doing a lot of the dirty work that the politicians, uh, you know, aren't doing or, or don't want to be seen doing. Yeah. But uh, but you know all of this stuff with the with the oil leaks and uh, you know you can't get any kind of uh, supplemental security income kind of stuff in the South. It's the worst place for that. Yeah. And, and all of that, you know, that's that's happening to whites, you know, down there too. So they. I, I kind of I'm I don't get the South. I mean I don't. Uh, I, I just I just didn't want to kill like all white people because I know the the poor white people. I mean they're no, fucking no, poor. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I also say I, I don't want people to get a grown idea. Berlan Berlan is married to a Caucasian woman, and uh, he, you're mostly frustrated with the system and the way it is, and because uh, you're very friendly to everyone, you know. And um, it's systemic. It's yeah. not. It's not. Uh, individuals. I think individuals can either like or dislike people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and it's no harm, no foul kind yeah. of thing. But uh, when the when the system forces you to treat people a certain way, uh, and I think that's what happens, or we have this system that, that uh, forces, uh, you know, people to treat, white people to treat brown people in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, you know, or they won't get any of their advantages or any of their privileges. You know, and, I, I and, think and that's what happens. And it's it's terrible. I mean, it's, that I think that's where some of this white anger comes from. I think in the South or poor white people because they're frustrated too, and um, um, they just I think they're really are tricked by swab 
sophisticated politicians yeah, think thinking that it's the poor black people, yeah, whatever, but yeah. really, the both sides, they have same yeah. problems. Black people are not the enemy in the South. Yeah. It's, it's, your, it's your white politicians. That's the enemy in the South, and your white um, corporate uh, CEOs and, and yeah. people like that, they're the ones who are who are he, but there, are, there are things that go on in cities that mm -hmm. black people have nothing to do with, you know. Black people have nothing to do with moving uh, a business or a corporation yeah. out of your town, moving it overseas. Yeah. Black people don't do that. You know, we got nothing to do with that. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, yeah. Do you like Obama? You think he's doing a lot for the program that you're working in? Or? I love Obama. I, I, uh, it's the best thing that's happened for black people in in my generation. Mm -hmm. And um, even more so than Clinton. Oh yeah, even more so than Clinton. Now you know I like Clinton. I didn't have a problem with Clinton, but Clinton was a white man. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I think people need to see. Uh, uh, you know, black people, brown people need to see a person of color uh, in that position. You know, uh, on TV every other day, uh, talking to dignitaries. Uh, you know, performing the different duties that the president performs. Does it give them hope? Uh, yes. You know, I think it gives us hope, uh, but it also gives us a lot of pride. Yeah, you know, and um, you know that's that's something, Berlant. I I didn't quite understand until maybe maybe last four or five years. But um, you know, as as an Asian person, it's always been confusing because I just feel like even though black people treat it bad here and there, I feel like at least black people are more visible. Mm -hmm. And growing up in America, like I always feel like I don't know. I I never really feel like where, where the fuck do I really belong? You know, mm -hmm. and um, um. The pride is I never quite understood, but uh, I have to admit, more you know, I, 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 of course, over the years, I have a lot of black friends in comedy and stuff. But I think it's right. I kind of understand now, like when this is being pride, mm -hmm. having a pride, being pride in yourself is mm -hmm. very important because you may kick down so much. You know, like I remember, like um, some kid in the eighth grade um, he had a brand new shoes, and I don't know, somebody kicked it about a mark, and mm -hmm. uh, he was upset. And I thought, well, you know, it's only a fucking shoes, but like, mm -hmm. when you had nothing and what little you have, you're trying to be, uh, having some self-respect for yourself, you know, when people try to take a little bit of it, I mm -hmm. guess people are sensitive, and I think white people get scared because I guess when they see black people get angry, yeah. they, they don't know how to process it, but mm -hmm. I think, I think my impression is, I, this sounds really silly, but I just think, I think black people are angry because they get their feelings hurt, you know, like they get tired of being treated a certain way and, and I think getting their feelings hurt, you know, and that was my impression, like... Well, it's more than getting the feelings hurt, it's, it's mm -hmm. you know, it's getting disrespected, Yeah. you know, it's like being treated less than, it's like, uh, you know, that whole thing about whites feeling superior mm -hmm. to you, you know. Uh, you know, you just get tired of that after a while. It wears you down. Do you, do you sense that 
equally everywhere in the country, or is it different in different states or cities? I mean, did you feel that more in Kansas than Seattle? Or? No, I felt it everywhere. And the thing of, I like to tell people racism is kind of like water. It's, it, it's, kind, it's fluid. It's not, it's not the same every place you go. It's, mm -hmm. it's whatever it has to be to keep people down. Yeah. That's, what, that's what racism does. You know, so whether it's blatant, like it is in parts of the South, like it used to be, you couldn't go into the, you know, you had separate restrooms yeah. and you, black people could only sit upstairs in the movie theater yeah. and all of that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, um, to the fact that, uh, you know, black people could only have certain jobs out, mm -hmm. out East, like the, yeah. the guys on the, on the trains, the porters on the trains and yeah. that you know that kind of stuff uh, you know it's just it's fluid it's not the same it, yeah. it, it, it adapts you know and um, but have you have you seen any improvement over the years um, I've seen improvement in the sense that it's hard to kick black people around mm -hmm. when um, you know like when who was the guy who wrote the the three books on Martin Luther King? And I, uh, oh, what is his name? Branch or Blanche or I can't think of his name right now. But anyway, his thing was that everybody walked through the doors that the civil rights opened for us. Yeah, you know, uh, gay people, um, Hispanic people, Asians. women. Asian. Yeah. Everybody walked through that door once the black people uh, kicked it open. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, and we don't get any credit for that, you know, really. And um, so, yeah, I think we want to. I, I got to say, um, this wasn't really an issue with me because I was not a good student, but I know some Asian Americans who are like, sensitive about affirmative action, they get good grades, yet mm -hmm. certain other ethnic groups get preferential treatment. But I, I always tell them, man, like, you know, if it wasn't for civil rights movement in the 60s, you yeah. know, whether Emmett Till getting murdered, yeah. I don't remember Mississippi where it was, yeah. to, yeah. you know, all this civil rights movement taking bullets, um, the, 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 the privilege and benefit that we benefit from it, it, it we, we wouldn't have that, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yes, in absolute. If you live in an uh, ideal world, academically ideal world, yes, people who get the best scores should have the first choice in colleges. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like when I think about love in Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was absolutely right about absolute love. But honestly, how many of you guys are going to be willing to die for some bitch? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. it, you got to be more realistic. And I think it's not a big deal. I think we should just remember that um, it's not all about. Um, you, what you want, but just think about big picture because man, if it wasn't for the civil rights movement, I have I have no idea. Uh, you know, you guys, black people did take most of the vast majority of beatings. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. they probably after that Latinos and uh, mm -hmm. maybe Jewish group or whatever it was. But I mean, you know, so I think we should just need to calm down. Um, we, we should learn to work together and then spend, instead of pointing finger at people, you know, whether it's your black, Asian, or white person, pointing finger is always easy, but trying to calm down for a second and trying to understand 
other people probably is the best thing for everyone you know mm -hmm. um, I mean this social program I keep I whenever I go to Scandinavia they have an absolutely great social program for all of those Scandinavian countries and somebody someone told me like well it works because they're all white people and I thought for a second like God I, I hope that's not true but you know maybe it is the issue when everyone I think it's a certain amount of truth to that because look at all the sort of Nazi anti-whatever like even you know like in Spain yeah you know the economy gets bad the first thing they want to do is kick out the Greeks and whoever is not 100% Spanish yeah and is that funny when you go Greece the Greeks want to kick whoever is that the, the minorities you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. they want to always want to hurt the people who are the least able to protect themselves yeah, yeah. but they can't look at themselves in the mirror and realize who caused the biggest problems you know yeah <coughs> I think the hardest thing to be in any country is an immigrant yeah I mean that's that's tough yeah um, and I, I, I wish the immigrants would also um, uh, be a little bit more sensitive about the plight of people who are living there because it's, it's you know it's um um, it's always easy to point finger at people, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, well, you know, I, I know you don't get enough credit for doing it, and I don't want. <laughs> I was a little concerned while we were doing this. Like, I don't want the white people to feel like, oh, you know, this is talking shit about whitey. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It's just. It, it is a frustrating because uh, you know when people do horrible jokes, uh, black. Uh, kind of humor when, whether you're a doctor social workers or uh, police whatever paramedics it's not that they don't give a shit they do those ter those jokes because they don't know how to deal with those things day mm -hmm. daily basis right so mm -hmm. you're saying all these things because I know you have no ill will against white people at all I never seen it uh, but there's a lot of racial stuff I'm sorry you know that there's a lot of racial um, you remember when we were talking about when you have a group of uh, men following a star in the NBA, mm -hmm. a black player, they're called entourage, right? Mm -hmm. But when you have a white player and he has a bunch of white people following him, they're business associates. And like, mm -hmm. everything have a racial undertone in this country, so. Everything. Yeah, everything. so, it's kind of hard to explain to someone who's never lived in a country with a wide variety of races, you know? But, um, you know, I think it's always good to hear the, your true feelings, you know, and it's got to be frustrating for you. Yeah. And I don't think for a minute that America uh, is the only country that's racist. I mean, well, every, not. every country is uh, is racist. But uh, some countries are better at hiding it better than others, yeah. you know. But I'm just here in America, and uh, you know, I'm at the, you know, I get the the bunt of of uh, American racism and uh, you know I just you know that's just what I live with me yeah. and my people that's what we live with on a on a daily basis I have some white friends who will say you know why is everything racist with black people why is everything about race because it is yeah you know I mean everything with black people is about race whether yeah. whether we you know the cab stops for us or the cab doesn't or you know this white woman uh, walks across the street when she sees us coming or 
nobody sits next to us on the bus or mm -hmm. whatever the case you know there's always um, it's always about race because in this country that's what they use to determine who's in and who's yeah. out you know and uh, if you're white you're in if you're brown you're out but along you you also have to like be fair for a moment and like there are times you know Sometimes white people are victim of a black crime and things like oh, that. Oh yeah. So yeah, they have those exactly. they have those feelings too. Yeah. What I don't what I don't understand is if they don't have any experience like that and still have a racial feelings. That's that's what I don't get. But if you if, I can't tell a white person getting robbed, murdered, raped. Oh no, and no. Then of no. course they, that's a legitimate feeling. No, too. That's a legitimate feeling. Yeah. Man. Black people get robbed, murdered, and raped. Yeah. By other black people and. Yeah. and by white people it's just right. you know that stuff that stuff's gonna happen but uh, also you know I mean it's easy it's easy for me to talk this uncomfortable conversation with you because we're friends but um, it just seems like and I'm sympathetic when it comes to this I don't think there's upside for white people to talk about racial issue because there's always danger of being called racist or insensitive you know what I mean like I have mm -hmm. a lot of white friends like just all together want to avoid having that conversation mm -hmm. because I think they're scared talking about it you know uh, well it is it's kind of like you don't want to talk about it in mixed company but the reality is is the only way you can learn about it is yeah. if you talk about it in mixed company yeah and I would say that you should always have I shouldn't say always but you can have a facilitator mm -hmm. around somebody who can get in there and and kind of facilitate how the discussion is going, yeah. you know, have an organized discussion uh, like that. Um, you know, and, and people with friends can sit down with their one black friend and, mm -hmm. and just say, let's, can I have an honest conversation with you about race? Can I ask you, mm -hmm. you know, exactly what this is about yeah. and why this is about? That's the point of friends, you know, you can talk about yeah. things. And, um, but, I, I can honestly say out of all the white people I know, there are very few of them who I've had an honest and frank conversation yeah. about race with. Because, you know, I, you know the whites don't want to be blamed, but, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not about blaming. You know, yeah. I, I just want to lay it out there for, yeah. for what it is and, and uh, you know, talk about it. Um, I, I'm sure I told you one of the greatest stand-up comics of my generation mm -hmm. was Prashis O'Neill. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, I love the guy. I yeah. highly recommend everyone to watch uh, yeah. Patrice O'Neill. I mean he's he passed away a year and a half ago. Brilliant. He's incredibly funny and uh, it's really fascinating to talk to him about racial issues but last time I saw him he was chastising me for like two and a half, three hours telling how, how racist Asian people, right? And he doesn't have Asian friends. Like, that kind of bothered me because I love Patrice, you know? And um, I just talking to other people, like, I, I still think I was his friend, but like, you know, he was angered about the racial issues. And like, I told him, like, uh, he was telling me how Chinese people or recently immigrant Chinese people mm -hmm. treat him. And I told Patrice, like, Patrice, those people treat me fucking horrible too. <laughs> They're so fucking rude, and uh, I mean, half of it's rude. By the other hand, like you know, New York, everything goes so fast. But 
I just don't, I didn't want to be categorized in the same group, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, but um, he was one of those guys talk about ratio. I mean, I guess it really would help uh, somebody as smart and funny like Patrice, and he could talk such a delicate matter like race in a mm-hmm. funny, informative way where no one feel bad. Mm-hmm. It's very rare. So, uh, people that could do that you know I mean Patrice Mello I, I, I miss the guy even though he was screaming he was yelling at me for three hours you know but yeah I, 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 um, I, I think it's easier because I'm not a white person mm-hmm. so you know I, I just um, I feel bad because it's just like I think there's also a lot of it's like fear uh, misunderstanding you know um People finding over limited amount of resource and things like that. Um, I think it's fun to talk to other races, yeah. and you get beyond the white black thing. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who's a Native American. Yeah, and he and I would have discussions about who was more fucked up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Was it black people or Native American yeah. people? <laughs> and we would go on about, you yeah. know, which was which would you rather live in, a reservation or a ghetto? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, so that took it beyond just plain old yeah. black white racism stuff. Yeah. You you get to another level. Uh, sometimes when two minorities talk about yeah uh, what's going on. And I don't want to make a lot of racism, you know. Um, and frankly, I was I wasn't even sure where the conversation would go. I didn't think we were going to talk about race actually, but um, uh, it was it's, it was a fun conversation. But I have to say, as horrible as racism is, I mean, I I do believe there are things worse than that because when you go to places like former Yugoslavia or mm-hmm. or uh, Afghanistan, like, I mean, I've been there twice recently. Man, when they talk about shit like tribal conflict or ethnic yeah. cleansing yeah. and shit like we believe me poor white people get killed in america mm. black people killed in america mm. but those motherfuckers to those fighters are like it's it's you know you're talking eight thousand people got killed on this day you know like so i mean i i, I don't like ra- uh, racism believe me but man those like yeah. ethnic Ethnic cleansing. I those or the conflict between Chechen with uh, Russians for well, uh, several hundred years and you throw in the religion. Religion, yeah. Oh my God. So I mean, you know, believe me, America's not perfect. I think mm-hmm. we strive for perfection, and hopefully, we get to a better place. And I, I hope, I, you know, maybe one of the benefit of 2008 a uh, financial crisis was they have friends and family members losing job and they're homeless mm-hmm. and they know those people and like maybe people are more sympathetic because mm-hmm. man you are a cold motherfucker if you see kids on the street they're homeless and you think they deserve it <laughs> you're you know i mean you could joke around but if you really believe that there's something wrong with you and uh, i hope people I, I wish people would be a little bit more sympathetic and a little more patient and um because when I saw Scandinavia, I'm telling you, um, Berlin, I, ju- I just thought, man, they really try to help those people, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm sure some people take advantage of the system, but it just cannot make you feel good to see those homeless people walk around, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. That could have been your father or uncle or sister oh, yeah. or aunt or... Yeah. Time, yeah. 
Although sometimes I think mm-hmm. in the back of every black person's head there's this little nagging thought that thinks, you know, a Holocaust, it, Holocaust, it, it could happen. Yeah. You know, uh, racial cleansing. Yeah. It, it could happen. I mean, especially if you listen to the rhetoric on these uh, conservative talk shows. Yeah. You know, you think, eh, you know, it, it, it could happen. But, um, you know, what's funny with those conservative guys, I really believe this. I don't think they really believe what they say. No. I think this is, they're not running for office, so no. their ultimate vote is when they get money. Yeah. And they're just pandering to these scared conservative mm-hmm. people because mm-hmm. I think they're very scared, you know. Mm-hmm. And just like these extreme liberal people pander to these, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's just, just a lot of pandering because people are just fearful on both sides, you know. I wish just like, just talk to people. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like, I, I, you know, when, when black people told me, don't go to those neighborhoods, those white people are crazy or whatever, and the white people, they don't go to that black neighborhood, they're like, you know, crazy too, mm-hmm. and I go both neighborhoods, like, n- nothing ever happens, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I just think, just talk, just talk to people of different race. And, uh, yeah, well, for you, it's a little different. You go to these neighborhoods, and you're not the ones they hate. Yeah. So you go to a black neighborhood, and they see you, and they go, whoa. He's not white, you know yeah. that kind of thing. You go to a white uh, neighborhood and they go, "Well, he's he's not he's not black," you know. So uh, you kind of throw them for a loop, you know, when you show up. In the, I think so in their neighborhoods. And I, I don't I don't think I, I I'm seeing like uh, uh, dangerous, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and, and let's be honest, uh, um, that's one other thing. Like, we have a friend named Travis, and he's a comedian. Mm-hmm. He's six foot five, six foot six, mm-hmm. black guy. And I have to say, this is actually very true in America. Mm-hmm. People, when they see a big black guy, they get scared, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, Especially yeah. the one that's a smile. I mean, Travis is a very personable guy, so um, I, I guess that might be okay. But yeah, I have to admit, if I was that tall, I don't think people yeah. think twice about getting robbed or something yeah. but if you're a big ass black guy uh, man yeah. you're a well if you're a big ass anything well yeah if you're a big asian or if you're a big white guy you know there's something there's a certain amount of scariness that goes along with being big but i've spent time you know i've been to scandinavia yeah and i was treated very well yeah uh in scandinavian scandinavia you know so much so i thought hmm, i could live here but um, yeah, so there, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there's racism there too. But I thought they seem more inclined to think before they do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They seem more, better, more thoughtful, and um, yeah. Well, if everybody could take care of their people as well as the Scandinavians do, I would think that that in itself would curb a lot of racism because a lot of racism is economic you know Mm -hmm. you're pitting one race against the other for this small pot of monies you know whereas if everybody is sharing in the money uh there's no need to pit one against the other and and and, and we know communists we're not talking big chunk of money this is the sad part yeah yeah whoever is against doing that they they will portray it's really weird because anyone who's who look at the books 
vast majority of uh, uh, welfare recipients are white people because there's more white people. Yeah, yeah. But whenever you see photos and news, you always see like black and brown person in the line. Yeah, yeah. so in absolute terms, there's uh, white people collect more welfare because there's yeah. more of them. There's, yeah. there's, there's, no, there's no question about that. Um, when when uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, uh, you know, the black people are going to stores and uh, um, uh, um, they're looting the mm-hmm. store for food or whatever. The next footage they will show a white person doing the same thing. They're they're uh, uh, scavenger. Uh, what what is that word? Uh, Scavenging. Yeah, Scavenging. yeah. They were they were. They would use different words. Different words. Different words yeah. yeah, they would use the different words. They're scavenger as opposed to looting. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, you know, I I I I gotta be fair. You see the same, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, gene so, as opposed to looting. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So there's there's still a lot of that. I do think the country has improved. You know, the fact that we have a half black president. Oh uh, yeah, that's that, you that's know, good. Yeah. And I think it's good all the way around because I think young white kids need to see yeah. a person of color as president. I mean, I, you know, and you know they know his name and they know who he is. I. That's invaluable yeah. to me to to see that. You know, I couldn't imagine ten years ago this could happen. No, I wouldn't. Have, I, I, I wouldn't. I would say it would have been science fiction. You, yeah. you need to stop smoking crack. Yeah, yeah. Um, I what I think is interesting is that um, one of the things that I think have brought poor white people to the forefront yeah. is reality TV. Yeah, you know, with uh, <laughs> Honey Boo Boo. Yeah, and. Uh, the, the guys that uh, go, what is it called, hillbilly hand fishing yeah. and all of that kind of stuff, you know, it sort of brought the fact that, um, uh, what's the name I that they were giving it, uh, hick, hick, hick exploitation. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, <laughs> I think in a weird kind of way, that has sort of opened the doors to let people know, you know, there's, there's more... Than just poor black people out there. Yeah, there's there there are poor white people too. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's just unfair to neglect them yeah. too. Doing it. I, I just hope, I just hope they will do policies where I help the poor people first. Because if you're a millionaire NBA player, I don't think you that family should be getting subsidy for um, <laughs> scholarship to school. <laughs> it, like okay, I think they're doing well enough. Help the white person. So mm-hmm. I just think. Don't forget the poor black people, but don't forget the poor white people yeah. because yeah. I, I've been to parts in South like I could not believe in places in Florida. Yeah. So yeah. white people with no shoes and yeah. stuff like, I, I, are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Yeah. You know, and then you help too. So I just don't want like. And that's why I say politicians have done a disservice to white people in the South as well as black people yes. in the South. They vilified black people, but. Uh, Still, white people are just as poor, just as barefoot, just as hungry as some of the blacks in the South. Um, I'm I'm really have to get out of here. I have to leave in about three four minutes. But uh, Berlin, thanks for doing this, and um, I, I, you know I I, I hope um, we're not being malicious. You know, this is just our opinions, and um, um, it's always good to hear from people that uh, their voice is not being heard. You know, but. Um, I mean, I think Jerry Springer did a wonderful job. For those of you overseas who don't know, he, is, he used to have, oh, he still does have shows where 
poor black people and especially poor white people who have been traditionally been neglected, like they're yeah. invisible, yeah. like they shouldn't be giving each other airtime, and they need people need to see that because that way, you know, maybe you're a poor minority person, maybe you feel a little bit sympathetic to the poor white people too, you know, because it no matter what color you are, being poor sucks yeah. everywhere. Yeah, and, and then when I say poor, I mean not to have enough money to have a place to stay and food to eat, you know, so. It's complicated. I mean, you know, we're we're both comedians and then trying to work. You know, you work and you do comedy, and uh, I'm unemployed, so I'm I'm in trouble too. But um, I hope people listen to this. I would love to hear what they say. You know, maybe they'll say like, "Oh, you guys are against white people, whatever." You know, just I just want to hear. You know, just tweet it back to us or. Um, uh, Facebook me and let me know what you guys think and uh, I'm sure I miss I probably missed something but Milan thanks for doing this sure, Yoshi. I, 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 next time I want to talk more about you know other stuff you know oh, okay. yeah, yeah yeah I mean sorry we should have talked more about your brother too and um, uh, you have a good heart you know even with all this frustration you're going there helping people at it of all colors and uh, I'm sorry that you your client passed away tonight all right Thank All right, well, thanks, and now uh, um, hope to um, hopefully we we could do this in like a year from now, and maybe a couple hours because okay. I'm gonna maybe it's really fun talking to you. Thank you. You too. All right, Ron, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.